At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick. If you're listening to Three Yards for Carry, the best Miami Dolphins podcast out there anywhere, you're going to want to go to fivereasonsports.com. That's F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. As you know, the three yards per carry guys were on the Tua train before anybody, and so were we with our Tua t-shirt, our Tua 2020 that we put out early during the 2019 season. And now we've got three new Tua shirts, courtesy of our guy, Adam Smoot. We've got two, two Fat Tuesday shirts, and also a Tuesday is for the boys t-shirt. So some of you know the reference to that one. So check it out, fivereasonsports.com. Go to the merch page, choose any of the four. There are four different colors. You can get any size you want, and they'll be delivered out to you. Again, fivereasonsports.com. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786 786- Seven zero eight zero eight one three, or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at seven eight six seven zero eight zero eight one three to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. 
and we're on and welcome to a reactionary edition of celebratory absolutely (laughs) this is the greatest episode we're ever gonna make yes and as you can hear there is simon there is chris everybody's here because everybody's here because everybody's here and they got the guy We'll talk you about the other yeah, picks, we, but we they got can't see Jackson, Simon. Right? But yeah, Austin Jackson—that's that's what the celebration's yeah, about. As soon as they got Austin Jackson, I said they're starting to turn things around down here. You know what I mean? Listeners, you can't see it, but uh, Simon's actually doing video for this podcast, uh, and he's got his uh, Austin Jackson 2020 <laughs> shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Austin 2020. Yeah, Simon. That's right. Simon, I, I got to go to Simon on this. Give me the run up to that pick. You, you weren't pretty. You were pretty nervous. You showed up on the on the Five Reasons Sports Draft Show yesterday wearing a Trevor Lawrence jersey. <laughs> Hedging my bets, brother. Yes, yes. You, you I, I saw what you were doing. Don't think that I don't know what you were doing. You were trying to do that yeah. reverse jinx thing, and it worked, by the way, because they took my, my girlfriend was my girlfriend was furious at my flip flopping and. She said I was an absolute disgrace given how much I'd poured into Tua for the last four and a half years. Yeah. Oh, I was nervous, man. I was so nervous. I, nervous because it was just so important. It was yes. so important. And, you know, we've watched this guy, you know, we've watched this guy almost a distraction. But we've never waited. The three of us have never wavered. Even for, you know, I can, if, if we go back into our famed WhatsApp chat and, you know, talk about the first time we ever actually mentioned him. It's the same as when we first ever mentioned Trevor Lawrence. You look back and we've never wavered from that point, you know. God, wouldn't it be good to get our hands on this guy? He's incredible. It's never going to happen. And then, you know, maybe it is going to happen. And then sharing of clips, you know, there must be 50, 60, tour clips. Have you seen this? Did you, you know, all of us on a Saturday afternoon, um, you know, messaging each other going, oh my God, you know, did you just see this throw? And look what he just did here. And You know, so it was just a culmination of such a lot, you know, for all of us, for me, you know, I I was told about him four and a half years ago, the culmination of a journey, just knowing that, you know, this kid is special. You know, you go back and look at the Elite 11 and I don't know if anybody's ever watched the documentary, but, you know, he turns up to the Elite 11 kind of uh, trials, as it were, and he gets absolutely reamed by Trent Dilfer for the way that he plays. He goes away for two months, comes back and Dilfer's like astonished at how he's changed his game completely. He wins Elite 11. You know, just the way he takes to coaching, just there's just everything about him. You know, last night in the press conference, you know, I'm going to get all the team numbers of every player. I want to phone every player up, start building relationships with, you know, just oozes leadership. I just, it's, it was just such a, such a big day for the future of the Miami Dolphins yesterday. And, you know, certainly with the fifth pick, they absolutely nailed it. And look, you know, we, we're quick to jump all over Chris Greer when things go badly and they have gone badly for many years. I think that the job that the Dolphins have done in creating the smoke and the the insecurity and the um, whatever it was, the nervousness for fans certainly, but the you know nobody knew what they were doing really. You know, were they trading up for Andrew Thomas? Were they trading up for Joe Burrow? Were they trading down? Were they going to take Herbert? Yes, they were taking Herbert. Nobody, you know, Albert Breer talking. About, nobody's nobody knows. I've not found a single scout who thinks Miami going to take to a nobody really knew and then they sat and even then people were like saying oh you've got to get to two because Washington are going to take him you've got to get to three because Detroit are going to take him you've got to get to three because somebody's going to jump over you you've yeah. got all these picks you well we kept every single pick we smoked every other fucker out of the hen house and we stayed where we were and we still got the guy that two years ago Rich Eisen said I was told at the draft two years ago that the Miami Dolphins 
were going to draft to that they were all in on Tua Tungabailoa, and that's exactly what we did. So kudos to Chris Greer and his team for creating so much misdirection. Yes, and yeah, I mean it's just a happy day. Well, Chris, you, you, I think uh, we talked about it yesterday. I, I was saying what I what I've been hearing all all of this time, which was. You know, they, they don't really want to move up, but they will. And this is the guy. This is the guy that they want. I was certain. It, I was certain to the point where I predicted it like three times on Twitter. And I said, watch, this is what's happening. I was certain that Detroit was going to hold us up for something, for an asset somewhere. And as it turns out, they could have gotten their guy and they could have taken a second round pick from us. Chris, why do you think it didn't happen that way? I mean, Detroit was left out in the cold with no offers. That's why, um, you yeah. know, and I think that I think that there was a lot of talk, I think, internally and, um, you know, externally about, about that happening. And I think that Detroit was very much trying to to get that done. And they were try- trying to throw a lot out there. And um, Miami never I mean, they they called their bluff. And I was starting to get yeah. I was starting to get like messages and stuff that of, during the draft, the about what was going on in Detroit and what, what was thinking about happening. And, um, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I heard, um, Detroit's thinking about taking Tua and negotiating afterwards, then I was like, that's it. They're done. You know, they're, they're, they've got nothing. They're desperate at this point and they're, they've got nothing on the line. And this is just, you know, this is just BS at this point. So, um, so yeah, at that point, calling their bluff was the right thing to do. And I just can't believe it. Go back. I mean, how many, how many times do we argue? You know, how many times do we argue, Simon, uh, back and forth about whether the Dolphins can get to a, um, you know, even if they try and pull, the, pull off this organic tank thing, you know, yeah. unless, they, unless they purposely lose games, the coaches try and lose games, you know, make, a, make the tank call, make the zero blitz call <laughs> right before halftime, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Unless they do that um, on purpose, you know, they can't really, they can't really count on getting to it because, you know, how many times we go back and forth, you know, yeah, they're bad, but, you know, just because you're bad doesn't mean you get number one overall pick. And, and, um, and it didn't work out that they got number one overall pick, but it did work out that they got to you know? yeah. so it, it, which is mind boggling, I think. Uh, and we go back and, you know, there have been several quarterbacks that I've just been over the moon for. Uh, and a lot of people ask me, you know, just, just how good do I think Tua is? <clears throat> and I go back to, um, you know, I was over the moon for Kyler Murray. He ended up offensive rookie of the year. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. I was, I was over the moon for Patrick Mahomes, you know, obviously, um, Andrew Luck, those, you know, draw a straight line basically. And, and that's, that's who you're talking about with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I think he's the next, I think he's left-handed Drew Brees. Um, Hmm. I, I don't know where he's, I, I do wonder where he's at physically with respect to, um, his mobility and whether he'll run a bunch or, you know, that sort of thing whether we can run the sort of, um, you know, keepers and RPOs and stuff like that with him uh, because we're going to try and probably protect his hip a little bit. So I don't know yeah. where we're at that way, but it doesn't matter because he's such a good passer. And, um, and I think that he won't, he won't lose the mobility with respect to avo- evading the rush. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's still going to be there. 
and just, you know, and Simon, you said coachability and that's the point that I keep trying to make to people. And it's the, it's the reason that I'm, that I'm higher on Tua than Joe Burrow. Yeah. And always have been yeah. and continue to be is because, you know, Joe Burrow will, will admit in that at, in 2018, he didn't play well, you know, and, and they ask him, you know, what, you know, why, why do you think you Mel Kuyper had you as like a sixth round pick or whatever coming out, coming into 2019. And he's like, because I played like crap in 2018 mm. and, he, and he admits it, you know, and, and that was under a different offensive coordinator in LSU, but with mostly the same talent around him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's important because, you know, he was an older player in, in 2019. He had virtually no class load. So he could spend all day watching film with Joe Brady. Joe Brady designed a brilliant offense for him. You know, it was, uh, it was it's wide old, open. Yeah, it's the old men versus boys thing. Yeah, yeah, it was well. It was wide open. There was five receivers on virtually every snap, and hurry up, no huddle to boot. So I mean, it was perfect for um, and using a lot of the shallow middle and stuff. It was perfect for Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's the and reason also, why. It's the reason why juniors and seniors hardly ever get drafted in the NBA or get drafted very, very late because usually it's men versus boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so but I also, think Joe, you know, he had that sorry, going Joe, for him. Go ahead. Go on. No, no, you go. You finish. Yeah, so he had that going for him, but you know, in the comparison to Tua, who has succeeded at every stage of his career at Alabama with every coordinator, and I think that's important because he's had a bunch of different coordinators. He's had a bunch mm-hmm. of different offenses, and the the change that he made from 2018 to 2019, you can't understate it. You can't understate philosophically what a difference – the offense was in 2019 compared. So they asked him after, after setting a record for passer efficiency in the, in, in the FBS in 2018, they asked him to completely change offenses. You know, yeah, they still had talent, but it was a completely changed offense. Mm. And he did even better. You know, he had an even better passer efficiency rating yeah. in, in 2019. I mean, who does that? Who does that? Yeah. And that's He's what I think. That's the difference. Two of the greatest five seasons in the history yes. of college football Absolutely. Right. history of college football you know and people always people you know even last night i had people messaging me going you know oh look at the receivers he played with look at the line he had look at the backs he played with you know yep he played with devonta smith who's gonna be a first round pick next year played with Jalen waddle he's gonna be a first round pick next year he played with rugs and judy who are both first round picks played with jedrick wills who's a first round pick alex leatherwood will be a first round pick next year uh, Najee harris all true all true. What did Joe Burrow do? Because you never hear the argument about Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, you know, Joe had a great year. Joe was amazing. He was amazing. He was, you know, and I think I was probably higher on him earlier than, than you two boys. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, but that, I mean, God, that happens all the time. I'm lower on guys and you guys are not. That's just the way it, it turns out. But, you know, let's not take away from the fact that the, the LSU offensive line won the Joe Moore Award as the best line in, in um in uh, in college football, Sadiq Charles would have been much higher if he'd not had off the field issues. Lloyd Cushenbury's probably going to go in the second round today. Damian Lewis as well, um, you know. And then you look at the skill position players. Clyde Edwards there was a fair pick. Uh, they had the number one rated running back in the state of Louisiana as a freshman last year, backing up uh, Ceh. And then look at the receivers. You know, Jamar Chase won the Blitnikoff and is going to be a top five pick next year unless something terrible happens. Justin Jefferson was a first round pick uh, to the Jaguars. And um, uh, Terrace Marshall as well could end up 
going up, you know, in the, in the first couple of rounds next year as well. Plus, Thaddeus yeah, Thaddeus Thaddeus Moss Moss yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stephen Sullivan's going to get drafted. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's just be a little bit cautious about all this. The ball has still got to get to Tua, uh, to the receivers. It's got yeah. to get there on time, mm-hmm. in stride, catchable, in tight spaces. Oh, he only ever throws. Uh, he only ever throws screen passes and. Well, no, he doesn't. Justin Herbert threw threw thirty three percent screen passes last year, fourth highest in the uh, in the FBS. Tua was well down the list, mm-hmm. uh, and even so, that's how the offense w- works. That's how the RPO game works. You know, Joe Burrow throws. Uh, you know, look at quarterbacks around around college football and around the NFL. A completion is a completion, no matter how it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the things that he has, you cannot teach. You cannot teach the and you know the elite accuracy that he has he really does it's innate you know the deep accuracy the deep ball that he has i mean he yeah, yeah. i mean it was just a massive day for the dolphins yesterday all right Lana, let's let's wrap up the tour part of this podcast with this i've seen this question asked of me on on twitter and i'll ask it of, of both of you i've, I've already made yeah, i've i've said what i'm what i think about this question but i'll ask, ask it of both of you let's Let's pretend that nothing ever existed before this podcast. So this podcast has been around since the Baker Mayfield class. Where does Tua rank among all of those quarterbacks since the Baker Mayfield class? Simon. Oh, he's number he's number one. I mean, I've I've consistently written and I've consistently said on this podcast that Tua is for me the best quarterback to come out since Andrew Luck and before that since Peyton Manning. And I'm steadfast on that. You know, I love Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor, you know, I think they're one and one A. Um, and certainly, you know, people will view Trevor as a better prospect because of his size and his physical makeup and, and the, the the lack of injuries, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But for me, and coming into this season, and it stayed the same, Tua, to me, was a more advanced player than Andrew Luck was at the same stage. Um, and I just think I just think the Dolphins have hit just the biggest home run. Chris? This is a hard one. I always resist this, uh, this, this question because, you know, how can I, you know, how can I go back in time and argue with myself, you know, from, from a year ago. Right. I mean, and that's what you have to do because hindsight leaks into your views of these players, no matter what, you know, how would I have had Tua above Baker Mayfield? Well, now I would for sure. And, and I think, I think I probably would have, but you know, I'd I'd like to actually see that debate with my old self before I could know it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that he has more tools uh, in the tool belt than Baker Mayfield did. So above him, uh, and I was high on him. Uh, above Josh Allen, who I was very high on. Um, you know, uh, I don't. the The real question for me is Kyler Murray because I was I was very I was very very high on Kyler Murray and still am. His combination of arm talent and and running talent is just. And I do think he's a gamer too. And there's and he's very and he hasn't accurate. Ex- and he hasn't completely exploited his running yet. No, not at all. And and he, you know he might he might not ever. I mean, because he's never been what. Some people have always thought of him that way. Mm. You know, he is—he is a passer. Um, yeah, a lot, yeah of people, so I, a lot of people thought that he was right-handed, Michael Vick. Uh, I don't think mm. he's that type of guy. Well, yeah, no, he's not. He—he he doesn't have to rely on the run that much. But boy, can he can he hurt you um, that way? And he was offensive rookie of the year, and you know, so maybe this is this is 
coloring my opinion of him even more. But I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's about even. And we had arguments about this before, and people were asking me, okay, well, what about Tua next year? You know, because I was high on Kyler Murray last year, and you're like, well, what about Tua next year? Can you compare them? What do you, what do you say? And I'd often say they're about equal. I might give Kyler a little bit of the edge right now just because we're finding out more about him. He's going through the process. Tua hasn't, mm-hmm. you know. And, and sure enough, as Tua went on, he, he suffered the car crash hip injury and, um, and you know, went through some things. So it's, it's very close between Murray and, uh, and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I, you know, ranking them is sort of like picking your favorite children. I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could do that, um, but I think it is just slightly a bit above uh, Baker Mayfield, who is also one of my favorites, and um, certainly well above any of the other guys in the classes. Yeah, I'm pretty much there. All right, let's move on. A funny thing happened as soon as we took Tuatunga Bailoa. We spent the next two or three picks not paying much attention to what was going on, but what was going on. Wait, did the draft not, did the draft not stop after pick five? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it felt I that think we're way. just signing a bunch of undrafted free agents now. Yeah, I remember at one point I went outside and I started remarking, nah, the you know, the 49ers ain't gonna trade. They ain't gonna trade with us because they'll just take CJ Henderson. And you told me he went four picks ago, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, so I wasn't particularly paying attention. But I should have because oh, you were paying attention when Jordan, what's his name, got drafted in the first round. And yes, like, I did. In yes, your I face. Did. <laughs> I in the you. face. I told you he can play. You called him a bum, Chris. He did it in the face. He's a first round pick to the Seattle Seahawks. All right. So obviously, uh, yeah, Jordan yeah. Brooks can play. He can play football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. But forget about Jordan Brooks. Mm. What started happening was these tackles started bouncing toward 18 oh, man. and they were and Tristan awesome. Wirfs not on the you know nobody's taking Tristan Wirfs you're gonna and hurt me now still there of course they all started getting taken I'm yeah. told that the Dolphins had n- next to zero interest in Jedrick Wills mm-hmm. which is surprising it is and it, it's not what I had heard before the draft I had I had heard that they did but you know now Tristan Wirfs makes it to 13, and what a draft pick for Bruce Arians, okay? You got a 5,000-year-old quarterback, but you got to figure he's going to be effective with all of those weapons that he has there. They had a hole at right tackle. That hole is filled. Man, we couldn't get in there. I'll go to you first, Chris. Like, are you a bit disappointed that the Dolphins couldn't get into that spot for Tristan Wirfs? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have to be. Taking aside the – exuberance that we all feel after Tua um after picking Tua and and again I just can't emphasize enough he's like he's right in front of you and you're like they actually took him (laughs) um but anyway um so yeah taking aside that that would have been such a home run to me um because that's the question I mean if there are any questions coming out of this draft it's like we'll get to Austin Jackson in a second, but you know, what did we really do for the offensive line, which was atrocious last year? I mean, it was, let's, let's be honest about that. Um, What did we do for the offensive line last night? And that's, that's the the question we're going to walk away with getting Tristan Wirfs would have really sealed it. Did we ever find out what the Buccaneers gave up for that, by the way? Yeah. One seventeen, fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even have, 
I mean, the high or the next up we could have given them was the number seventy pick. Um, and I don't which. Like- that well, and, and and maybe maybe that would have been a worth. I don't know, but anyway, yeah, it would have it would have really just knocked it out of the park to to start with Tua Tonga Vailoa, trade up and get Trist and Tristan Wirfs, and then you know clean up at number uh, twenty six overall, or maybe you know do the trade down or whatever. And I would have you know take Clyde Edwards Hilaire one pick before or two picks before the Chiefs could have. Um, you know, that would have really, that would have really, <laughs> I mean, get me going. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it was disappointing. Uh, I heard that the Dolphins were on the, ho- the phone with them, with the San Francisco competing with Tampa for that, mm-hmm. for that deal. I don't know if it's actually true or not, because you hear a lot of things, quite frankly. Um, so, you know, I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, but yeah, missed opportunity, I suppose. But how can you really, you know, how can you yeah. criticize anything last night? So, Simon, set aside your exuberance at this point last night. Yeah. Uh, go back in time. This has to be the one blemish of the night, right? Um, I think blemish is unfair. And, you know, I was lower, uh, low on Jackson, I suppose. But, I, I, look, I, I can see the upside. The upside is great human being, great character. And that's what's something that they've always talked about. He's 20 years old. You know, he's a baby. He's going to be, you know, second contract. He's really only going to be, he's going to be the same age as some players being drafted tonight mm-hmm. yeah, when he gets right. to his second um, contract. That's true. Um, you know, which is a huge thing. Um, he fits an athletic, you know, he's an, if you, you know, we talked about this about Justin Herbert, but if you wanted to carve out a left tackle in the modern NFL, you'd mm-hmm. carve out his body, frankly. Yeah. You know, he's got great feet. Um, he just doesn't really know what to do with his body at times. He certainly doesn't know what to do with his hands. Um, yeah. You know, Chris and I, we, we certainly talked about this. We, we shared some, some video clips uh, in, the, in the WhatsApp a, a few weeks ago and uh, certainly against uh, AJ Epinesa and, and mostly against, um, against Bradley and I. You know, and, and Chris made a very good point about, you know, we've been comparing Ezra Cleveland and, and Jackson uh, because Cleveland looks better in terms stylistically he looks better you know you talk about left tackles being able to to play the piano with their feet if you imagine somebody moving up and down the keys of the piano Mm -hmm. without touching anything other than the key that you are intending to hit that's what you want your left tackle to do you know and there's a certain body position you know cleveland does that slash did that better but he was quite mechanic obviously carrying the turf toe but he was doing it better than um than uh, than Jackson, but Chris made a very good point that you almost want Cleveland to speed up a little bit and, and be a little less mechanical about it, and you almost want Austin Jackson just to slow down a little bit so that they kind of meet in the middle. Um, and I think the coaching, and we, you know, I, I do find it slightly dull when people go, "Oh, I believe in Brian Flores; he's going to be able to," co-. you know, he's a great coach, but I'm not sure he can, you know, do everything. He's not Superman. But what I do think is you're getting a twenty, you're getting a twenty-year-old piece of clay really and you can mold him into whatever you want now I don't know that he's going to go and be a really good player but I don't know that he's not and you look at the profile you look at the tools that he brings to the table and certainly there's an awful lot to work with um but he does need work he needs strength work and he just needs to know what to do with his hands and feet but if he can get that sorted out then the sky could be the limit for this guy you know and they they talk about him in really high regard and obviously you know he didn't have a a a pre-season as it were in college football last year because he was he was giving up the uh the bone marrow to his sister to essentially save his sister's life played in pain with the hip um in the early portion of the season because i'm sure it's not easy having bone marrow taken off your hip um 
so yeah look I, I i'm not i'm not over the moon with the pick but i am aware that there is a you know there is a bigger picture and the bigger picture is the kid is 20 years old and the upside yeah. is massive it's a high you know all three of the guys high high ceiling prospects yeah and i've said enough about austin jackson and my surprise of him arriving in the scene as far as a first round pick so but yeah you were it's it's interesting what you were saying about about his body position and if if you're a listener try to picture this picture yourself sitting on a bar stool and moving the bar stool backwards and then having somebody pull the bar stool out from under you and you not fall down that's uh, i think where austin jackson lacks a little bit i'm not saying as far as athleticism because he's plenty athletic but technique is going to be an issue and that's why i said last night I have my doubts whether he plays a lot in year one. Chris, you said he's a starter day one. Yeah. Well, first off, they don't have anybody at left tackle. Period. Well, that, that would help him. That would help him play. Right. So I, uh, you, I mean, they don't have anybody at left tackle at all unless they just go ahead and and stick Eric Flowers there. And we've talked about that on the podcast. I believe. Yeah, I think you guys are like throw up every time I say it, but um. You know, I believe that he is an emergency option at left tackle. Uh, he's played there before, and it wasn't as bad as it was last year for the Dolphins with, um, you know, some of the guys that they that they trotted out there. Um, so I, I think, yeah, that's gonna, that's going to help him certainly um, play immediately. But I'll say this: um, you know, Simon mentioned he's he was only 20 years old. I mean, we saw him his 2018 tape you're going off two years of tape really because in 2019 obviously he didn't even have an off season and coming off having donated you know uh hip bone marrow he wasn't even going to be physically all right and um and so you're gonna have to look at two years of tape and you're looking at the 2018 tape and you're like man he's just 19 years old here um which is it's really something uh but for all that for all that, that we talk about, and I wish you would be more patient, and I wonder if that's a trait or if that's a, a coaching point. Um, you know, he, he, was, he was productive. I, I went over this last night. In terms of pressures given up, I mean, we have – or I have from Pro Football Focus, I have a total of 14 pressures given up on 562 uh, pass block snaps. And that percentage is right there, like – you know, right there with Andrew Thomas. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's right there. <laughs> and it's, it's right there with Jack Driscoll, who I also really like at Auburn. Yeah. Um, you know, it's right there with Alex Leatherwood. You know, it's, yeah. you're, you're looking at the guys that, that's right there. It's right next, literally identical to Ezra Cleveland, um, who has the better technique. I mean, we, we admit it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely better technique, better hands, better sit better um better you know patience certainly um so the sky is the limit with him and you see him I, I likened him to you guys earlier as he's like a lengthier version of billy turner except the difference between he and billy turner is i think i think billy turner had some things going on sort of off the field and in the locker room that that sort of prevented him from from reaching his full potential um but this guy supposedly from everything we hear is, you know, a phenomenal uh, character. I mean, and that's what the, the theme of the night really is phenomenal characters, but for, for the dolphins. And I think that's going to continue to be a theme. 
but yeah, I mean, so, so, okay, let's stack it up. He was, he was a 20, 19 and 20 years old and, and did really well and was as productive as anybody out there just about, um, you know, he's, he's got this incredible, he moves like a basketball player. He's, he's, he's monstrous and, and lengthy and moves like a basketball player. Uh, and, and he's a great character. It's like, oh, but aside from that, he's trash. You know, I, it's it's sort of like <laughs> yeah. those those are some really big points in his favor. And so it's no wonder that people did consider him to be a first round pick. I mean, you listen to Lewis Riddick and guys that are very respectable out mm-hmm. there, and they they talk him up quite a bit. Um, were there other guys that I liked more? Yeah, but were there guys that have the ceiling that he does? I likened him last night on the show the live show if they nail him mm-hmm. you know if they teach they teach him then he does remind me of tyron smith and and uh and trent williams i mean that's that's the sort of that's mm-hmm. the sort of athleticism that you're talking about um with with that guy uh in alan's frame so yeah it's, it's it's a it's definitely an upside pick it's not not a 2021 or sorry it's not a 2020 pick and neither is Tua for that matter um, so I think it's interesting as we go forward, maybe that's a theme that we need to discuss, but you know, yeah. Daniel general Jeremiah, who had a, a horrific day, by the way, trying to, <laughs> trying to slot guys into, into teams. He had a horrific night, but he said something that, that I found profound on Austin Jackson. He said, this guy's improvement can, can be exponential due to his yeah. age and experience. So yeah, this is as good an upside pick as you can make. You know, I thought that there was, but there were better options. Evidently, Josh Jones can't play in the NFL because everybody hates him. <laughs> well, he's the opposite, right? I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he's he's a guy that was old when he had his breakout year. Yeah, right? yeah. he was an older who's he played player against as well. And That's and who's he played against? And who's he played? Now, the one thing that was fighting against that that narrative and in, in his favor is he went to the Senior Bowl and did yeah, all right, ripped out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so that, that plays in his favor. And I think he's going to go very early. In fact, I think Cincinnati is, could take him right away yes. with this, this first pick, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's complete opposite. It's complete. You know, and Ezra Cleveland's a complete opposite too. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy, yeah, he's, as you said, technically he, he, his feel for it is so much better, so much better at this point. Um, and he also moves around pretty well. Like, you know, he tests well. Uh, as far as agility and all that stuff goes, but you know he doesn't—he doesn't play like it. He doesn't play with that sort of wild athleticism. He's not a—he doesn't look like a thoroughbred out there. I think it's worth um, saying I as think well that, that just the sorry, I think it's worth just worth saying as well that you know this is a kid. His sister has something called diamond black fat anemia, which is a genetic condition that essentially causes the bone marrow not to produce red blood cells. She was dying. You know, he she she'd been taking blood transfusions since the age of twelve. No, there were no bone marrow matches anywhere to be found. He was the the closest thing, um, and essentially he saved her life. He took time off from football. He's come back now. You know, it, it was clear that there were going to be some bumps in the road given everything that had happened. Um, he's apparently like. You know the the he's a kind of quiet does very rarely does interviews but apparently a kind of quiet leader of the locker room uh, mm-hmm. USC Clay Helton loved him um, I just think yeah the, just the 
the, the kid that he could flower into in professionally as a player, I think is the thing that the Dolphins are bought into. But he's going to, like Chris said, I think he's going to have to get on the horse early. And there may be some, you know, there may be some tumbles along the way. But, you know, the profile is definitely arrow up. But you know what's, uh, what impresses me about the, the story about saving his sister? I, th- I think most of us, I mean, it is like an incredible story. I think most of us would have probably done we'll the do same it. for yeah. our sister. Yeah. Right? We'd yeah. all do it. But you know what actually impresses me just from a football asset standpoint is he did it and then he came back. <laughs> you know, mm. he, he, came back, he came back to football and was playing right away, even though he didn't have an offseason, you know, whatsoever. Um, he, you know, he came, he slid right back in to his, to his work, you know, and, and I think that that bodes well for him as a football player. I mean, certainly as a human saving your sister's life, you know, that's, that's great. Um, and we, we love to draft great human beings because it does bode well, but also just the work that he put in to get back right away after that donation, you know, or after that transplant, I, I think that that says something. Yeah. Well, they moved on from there. And then Chris Greer, you know, waved his magic wand and got the Packers to move up to take Jordan Love. And that's worthy of an hour podcast in and of itself. (laughs) But evidently, they got the guy that they wanted and they targeted all along. I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly. Noah Igbinogane. Igbinogane. No. Igbinogane. Noah Igbinogane. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. They're they're kind of completing that that secondary. No, this is this is our nickelback this year. He starts. He yeah. plays a ton of snaps right away. Yeah, I I love the pick. And I, and actually, and I said to you earlier on, and I can't tell you who the player is, but the Dolphins try. The, the Dolphins had somebody else in mind, um, and, and that player went before the Dolphins got to pick. Um, but he was, you know, the, the the team were out in force at the Auburn Pro Day. We know they spent a significant amount of time with him yes. uh, and really liked him. And um, you only have to look at the film. He's only been a corner for two years. The upside is huge. You know, we you watch the Florida game. Look at how he covers Van Jefferson, for example. He, um, he is a really, really good player. And I had lots of people last night going, why have we taken a nickel corner about this? This is ridiculous. It's, we were in, we had five DBs or more on the field 71% of the time, you know. Nickel defense is base defense, people. You have to remember that, okay? He is going to be playing an awful lot of football very quickly. And you listen to Gus Malzahn, you listen to, to Greg Brown, the secondary coach. There's a great quote here from Greg Brown. It's, uh, you know, when he moved over from wide receiver to cornerback uh, two years ago. And he says, look, he's got big time speed. He can open his hips. But he's got such a competitor's mentality. Noah is such a tough guy. Individually, this is one of the toughest players I've ever been around. Players love being around him. It was such a good fit for us. And he is a match made in heaven. We're ecstatic to have Noah playing cornerback for us. And then you flip that and you've got the wide receivers coach saying, I was seriously borderline depressed. I was like, man, I've just lost Noah. He's such a competitor. Well, you know, the, that, that's two coaches immediately saying competitor, competitor. And then you've got a quote from Gus Malzahn saying, he's one of the most competitive players I've ever had at Auburn. You know, and he had Cam Newton. He had, you know, there's been a hell of a lot of competitive players who've gone through Gus Malzahn's hands over the last few years. You know, Derek Brown, all those sorts of guys. So, you know, and you just watch him on tape. You know, we talked about it. You, you see a guy, his ability to, to, to click and close. A guy can play inside, outside, long arms. He's got, you know, really good movement skills, very athletic. Chris, I know, you know, we've banged on about him since we, uh, since we first saw him. He's, um, I, I love this as a pick for the Dolphins. I really do. 
Yeah, and, and I got to say this. A lot of people were asking earlier on the three yards per carry account, like, you know, we don't know too much about this guy. Which game do you, should I be watching? Watch the Florida game. This guy, this guy mm-hmm. fights. Like, this guy will fight you for 60 minutes. Uh, they threw at him twice. He knocked both balls away. They just gave up. Yes. Yeah, he's – like, if, if you liked the feistiness of a Bobby McCain, you're going to like this guy, okay? He's a guy that will fight you for 60 minutes – Effort is never going to be a problem for him. Chris? Or his confidence is going to be a problem. That was what stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a combination, I guess, you know, if you have to look at it and think about who he is as a corner and what, what's so attractive about him, well, first off, it's his movement skills because the man is fast as hell. And, uh, and he's really agile. I mean, he opens his hips very well. And, and, um, and he can keep up with slot corners. He, you can also play on the side or on the uh, on the perimeter, and I think that that's kind of a special uh, combination for him. He reads a little bit small sometimes, uh, five five eleven one ninety eight, um, but you know that, that's probably the only chink in the armor because it's the combination of movement skills, the son of two you know Olympic quality track and field stars. Uh, his, his mother mom, was a bronze his mom won a medal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's yeah. a bronze medalist. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's so he's got. He's got great movement skills. And then the other thing is the competitiveness and the, and the, the killer attitude and the feistiness. It shows up in his physicality, but it also shows up in his confidence. Man, is he confident in his own speed and his own ability. Like, and that allows him to be patient, you know, because he's really, he can be really patient out there uh, as a corner. And that's so important uh, when you're, you know, either, either playing man coverage or, and, and trusting your technique or, uh, or playing in zone and not, you know, not getting ahead of yourselves and end up giving too much space. Um, he's a really confident player. I, you say which games I watched I was trying to catch up on these corners a little bit late because I always wait for the last minute to catch up on the corners. I started catching up on, on him and I'm just blown away. I mean, I'd watch any game, watch any game and you're going to see the traits that Watch you him against about. Justin Jefferson. I mean, he yes, Justin absolutely. Jefferson really, really well. Yeah. And, and he got, he got jobbed in that game yeah. with, with some bad penalties yeah. too, as I recall. So, I mean, it was just watch his competitiveness, watch his movement skills, watch the way that he dogs people, uh, you know, over the middle in slot coverage. Um, and and knocks the ball away i mean he is he's a stud now i'll finish up with this because this is as it relates to brent flores you know i have a scouting source that tells me you know that had heard already you know that that flores considers noah and this is a quote a fucking stud you know and (laughs) and this is and he just fell in love with him and i think it had to do with that auburn pro day that we heard about yeah. where, you know, Flores kind of quizzed everybody like as if they were his NFL players and, you know, really treated the room and, um, and peppered them with all, all these questions and stuff like that and gave, and he gave them like a game plan and, and, and had to uh, and wanted to see how they digest it. I mean, that's, this is the guy that came out of that exercise. You know, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, um, that's the, the takeaway. And, he, and the other thing me. is – yeah, well, just one thing, just one thing, and you know, and this was pointed out to me between Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogene, neither of them can buy a beer yet. No, very <laughs> you true. know, these are these are young, these are young players, these are young players with great upside. Tua only just turned 21 himself, mm. you know, and and I think that this, this is what you got to look at. And the other point that was pointed out to me, 
Um, again, scouting, uh, scouting contacts is familiar with Brian Flores and his thinking is you got to really look at this as a personnel matchup issue because um, they're going to, it's, it's not necessarily that Noah is going to man the slot all the time. It's, it's no. about, it's about finding the right matchups because yeah. Xavier Howard is a little bit light, a little bit leggy. We know that he is. Um, and you know, there's certain guys that he's going to match up well on. And, and I think maybe there are certain guys that he's not going to match up well on. And also Byron Jones can play safety. I mean, mm. that's, and he played and it really Jones well. Actually, yeah. And Byron Jones is actually really, really good in the slot as well. So yeah, he's, <laughs> so he, he can play anywhere. He can get the matchup that you want. And then you also have Noah who, who particularly matches well, gives them someone to handle the smaller shiftier receivers. Yeah, it's and a good problem to have. Gonna, it's yeah. a good problem to have when Xavier Howard is the only guy that you have that's completely one-dimensional right now. Yeah. In Look the at what the Patriots game. did last year. You know, they had they had the best corner in the NFL in Stephon Gilmore. They had JC Jackson, who's a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. They had Jason McCourty, who's a really good player. And then the second round, they took Joe Juan Williams of Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> there's a reason why cornerbacks go so high. It's a passing league, people. We're looking at four and five receiver sets now as the absolute norm. Yeah. You know, three, the, the whole three yards per carry thing came as essentially a laugh in the face of the fact that, you know, running running game doesn't really exist anymore. And if it did, that's all we've managed to, to muster. But, you know, five, all these college concepts are coming to the NFL mm-hmm. all the time. And you look at, you know, he played in the SEC against, you know, look at the kids from Ole Miss, Metcalf and Brown. You look at, you know, the guys we've already talked about at LSU, the guys we've already talked about Alabama, all these great, you know, Brian Edwards at South Carolina might will probably get drafted today. All these studs in the SEC. He played 879 coverage snaps in two seasons, gave up three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he was a wide receiver two years ago. So yeah. <laughs> he yeah. just you know he just converted. And he I, just converted. What, what would you rather have, Alf? I'll, I'll ask you and I'll ask you, ask you as well, Simon. What would you rather have, a stud pair of corners or a stud pair of pass rushers? Yeah, stud wow. pair of yeah, right. The corners, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's not even close thing. anymore. Yeah, give me the corners. Give me the corners. I'll try to outthink the offense and try to get to your quarterback. You know, it's it's my it's maybe the second most important position on the on the field now, and if it's not the second, it's definitely the third. You know, quarterback, then it's either left tackle or cornerback, and then it's pass rusher. And I don't think I mean, it's a, you know, I don't think it's The close. communication and the ability that you have to have in the secondary, secondary nowadays is just, you know, is just incredible. And that's why, mm. they, that's why the teams are drafting these guys so high, and they're drafting guys that are athletic and read, it better, read better in coverage. That's why the safeties are coming down the board, actually, and you still haven't seen one taken is because the corners the corners have the better coverage ability, right? The, yeah. Generally speaking, than the safety and the better athleticism. And, you know, they convert corners to safety. <laughs> and they have them playing all in different spots in the middle, especially in Miami's scheme, which is very man-oriented. So at times there's not too much difference. There's not too much read difference between the corner, a corner and a safety. So that's why they have Eric Rowe, who's a corner, you know, basically playing exactly. safety. And yeah. Bobby McCain, who's a corner, you know, playing safety. So, uh, you know, taking him fuels that that effort in the back in the defensive backfield, and it's going to be hard to throw on us. Hopefully, mm. but you yes. know, I think it will be. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely excited about the pick. I was very, very excited about the pick overall. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I was. Yeah, I you loved know. it. Loved it. Yeah, I like the pick. Now, moving on here, we've spent the better part of at least three weeks. I spent the better part of two months mocking a running back or a safety at 26 that didn't happen but they do have 39 56 and 70 coming up here today uh, which is when we're recording maybe by the time you listen to this they already have one of these guys 
did we overlook something else or is it happening today? Are they taking a running back and a safety today, Simon? I'm not sure about the safety anymore. I think that might fall into day three. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, if an Ashton Davis is there at 70, if a Carl Dugas there at 70, you don't know. But I, I just wonder whether or not I, I do. You know, we've talked about this. I, I think Bobby McCain is on the bubble. Um, you know, and it, you could see Bobby McCain being dealt for a sixth rounder, a seventh rounder later on, perhaps, and, and they do take a safety like an Ashton Davis or whatever. Um, but you know, the six, seven really good safeties, Terrell Burgess, Winfield, Delpit, McKinney, you know, all these kids, Davis, Duga, Chin, they're all on the board still. You know, nobody went in the first no. round. Um, and I, I do think, look, everybody, I had so many messages last night going, this is a disgrace. We've taken this corner. Nobody knows anything. Why aren't we taking a running back? It's like, whoa, slow down. One running back's gone off the board so far. Four of the big five are left. And I'm pretty sure that at worst, three of the big five are going to be there at 39. And I'm pretty sure that all four of them are going to be there. So even if DeAndre Swift goes, they like J.K. Dobbins. You've got one of the greatest college running backs in college football history and Jonathan Taylor there. Oh, and Cam Akers, the former number one high school player of the year who, you know, did a pretty good job on a terrible team with terrible coaching behind an, an absolutely, you know, high school offensive line. Yeah, um, he was a hero to me. <laughs> oh, mate, seriously. So I, 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 I would be, I have to say, I would be very, very surprised if they don't take a running back at 39. Um, mm. I just think it's setting up that way. But, I mean, God, there's so many good players still on the board. There's so yes. many good players still on the board. So I, I don't know, but I, it feels to me like 39 sort of has to be a running back because I think by the time you get to 56, you might only have one of them left, you know? So, um, yeah, I think if I, I think Swift, probably, uh, if they're all there, I think he'd probably be the guy, but uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Chris, there's too many good players left mm. and you know, you want them all. Um, and I think that's something that we have to, we have to understand and, and think about a little bit is the possibility that, and, and we have some indications in this regard too, the possibility that they might have some more work that they think needs to be done in this receivers unit than yeah. we've been, than we've been yeah. saying. And we've always acknowledged that there's room for a slot guy or, or something like that. You know, don't rule out receivers. And, definitely. What I've yeah. Said. Don't, don't rule, don't rule that out. Um, don't rule out LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I yeah, think that that's, 100%. you know, I think that they're looking based on everything that I've heard. And I've heard that, that basically uh, people high up in the organization are talking about this offense and talking about how dynamic they want to make it, how, you know, sort of multi-tool they want to make the offense. Yeah. And that's LaVisca Chenault. You know, he's a multi-tool um, player. I mean, he's built like a running back. You can probably play him like a running back if you wanted to um, at certain times. Uh, but also, you know, you can, you can put him down on the perimeter and have him hoof down the field. And my God, he's like a thoroughbred out there. Um, so, you know, don't, don't discount that. Uh, in addition to the running backs, I think the running backs, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire going off the board is a little bit of blow because he, because he is also a multi-tool player. He, he's so, so good in the passing game. We know that DeAndre Swift is as well. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. But they have more work to do on the offensive line. We know that. Josh Jones is still there. He's probably going to go off pretty soon. But Lucas Niang is there. Matt Pert is there. Sadiq Charles is still there. And, you know, who knows whether he can move uh, to the other side or play guard or something like that. Jack Driscoll is a very – I've heard that he's taken some snaps 
started uh, to work at center a little bit. So, you, you know, and he's just a phenomenal football player. I think Jack Driscoll um, actually has snaps recorded at every position in his, yeah, in his I mean, college he, career. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal football yes. player when you watch him. He knows what he's doing. He's like, you know, as much as you like Ezra Cleveland, I like Jack Driscoll for a lot of the same reasons. I just, I just really – and love with him i think that he's he, he he's jack conklin i like 2.0. him a little bit to joe Thurman. yeah well I, I like him actually a little he reminds me of joe tooney a little bit too okay, um yeah. you know because joe tooney moved inside and mm-hmm. um and jack driscoll can move inside robert hunt is still there and you yeah. know matt hennessy lloyd cushionberry i mean there's there's a lot of there's still those nose tackle types um josh Uchi, too, yeah. i mean gosh oh, josh uh, is there and he, yeah and marlon, marlon davidson Bond. you know they love that these auburn kids yeah. Darrell Taylor, really good yep. player. I think and, that there's and, a and distinct possibility. And then the safeties, what do they think about and then the safety? Yeah, what do they? But also, what do they think about Willie Gay, for example? You yeah, know, they had him on Facetime. You know, he's a second. I mean, you look if, if you take away the off-field issues, he's a first-round pick. Same with Marcus Bailey. You know, what do they think about about guys like that? Epinesa is still there. Yet Yito Gross Matos is still there. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really, really good players. And, I'll give know, you. I'll give you one. Right, I'll give you one right now. Uh, it's a distinct possibility, the more I look at this board, that at 56, there could be no guards taken. And you can take the best on, on the board, Damian Lewis, at 56. Mm-hmm. And well, that Robert, kind of, don't, Robert, Lynn Bowden. Don't rule out Lynn Bowden if they don't yeah, take the position. Another multi-tool offensive player. Yeah, like, I've been yeah, told yeah. they're really high on Lynn Bowden. And and so you know Lynn Bowden or Lavisca Chenault, it could be you know if yeah. if they really do feel like they've got to do some work there um, in the receiver uh department yeah well we got to get out of here and i hope you enjoyed this we enjoyed it we really enjoyed that first pick we've been talking about mm-hmm. it for months go to five reasonsports.com buy the t-shirts we got a, a bunch of new tua t-shirts you'll enjoy them we will talk to you when this is over and we will go over all of the picks all five thousand of them because it looks like they're gonna pick a lot of guys they got 15 picks total So, we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.